and welcome to the brand new West Ham podcast, You Irons, with me, Sam Delaney, and him, Roshane Thomas. Hello, Roshane. How's it going, Sam? You okay? The Athletics West Ham writer-in-chief, of course. Uh, we're the only Hammers podcast bringing you almost immediate post-match reaction uh, to all of our games for the rest of the season. And who knows, maybe beyond. Uh, tonight, Roshane and I are both fresh from watching our 4-1 defeat against Leicester City. Uh, Rashane was at the King Power Stadium. I'm sat home in my gym jams watching the whole thing on my laptop. How can I do that? Well, that's my business. Rashane, you're the man with the insights and the tactical knowledge, but let me run by you, my humble fans. I view of the game before you tell me uh, your more educated uh, impression of it. I say we were diabolical first half. We looked like we might have a chance for about 15 minutes at the start of the second half when Antonio came on but ultimately mate I think these players aren't good enough whatever formation we use I just think that's why we're now looking like very very serious relegation contenders what did you make of it? Mm. We should play 4-4-2 because I reckon that'll get the best out of these players as you mentioned not half time, I mean first half performance was terrible I mean West Ham didn't even have a shot on target that's how bad it was and when he brought on Antonio and Fournals like the first 15-20 minutes, we saw like West Ham creating chances, looking a bit more lively in the final third. And that was down to there being two up top. So I think that's what Moy should do moving forward. But the thing is, mate, he's changing. He appears to be changing uh, formations, depending on whether we're home or away. And I don't know many other... Ma- I might be wrong, but I don't know many other teams that do that. I mean, I always imagine that the best thing to do is to have a system and stick to it so the players get used to it. But at the moment, he seems to be switching from 4-4-2 at home to 3-5-2 away. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It must confuse the players, right? I completely agree with you. I mean, if you're a player, you want to have a settled formation where you can actually do well in. And as you mentioned, like, in Moise's first game, I think I might have only played 3-5-1-1 or 3-5-2 with wing-backs. When it gets Bournemouth, it was 4-4-1-1. Today, it was 3-5-1-1. I mean... Like the players need to have a formation where they can do well and be consistent, and they can actually start to climb a table. Because, like for example, with the wing backs, I don't think it works. Like playing Masuaku and Zabaleta, who's like what 37 now, as a wing back, it's not going to work. I mean, I've seen that in the first couple of performances. So, Masuaku on the left and Fredericks on the right could make sense as wing backs because what you had there was pace going forward. And I felt that we had lacked any explosive counter-attacking ability all season. I thought that one of our main problems is, is that we are ponderous and slow and predictable in attack, right? So I thought maybe we could play on the counter-attack because Fredericks one of the quickest players in the Premier League. Masuaku's quick and he's pretty skillful. I thought it could work, but as soon as Fredericks got injured, I thought, well, he's got to drop the whole idea now because, you know, the, you know as much as I love Zab, there are a few players worse suited to playing wing-back. I mean, the poor bastard's got to get up and down the whole wing all night long. He's just yeah. not up to it. It's like torture for him, isn't uh, it? I know. And here's the thing, Sam. They're both good at going forward, but they're not really good when it comes to defending. That's the no. thing. When it comes to defending, they're a bit suspect, you know, uh, Fredericks and Masawaku. So, it's good. <laughs> it's good. At yeah. Yeah. Good team. So, Moyes well, can abandon that he, formation. You know, listen, he started 3-5-2 tonight. It went disastrously wrong first half. It was obvious before they even scored their second 
that the formation was a yeah. problem. Masuaku was just completely leave, leaving huge spaces down that down his side. He only changed yeah. almost out of necessity. Second half, he it almost paid immediate dividends. You know, we had Antonio had a shot in the first ten seconds. Then we got the pen. We did look dangerous. Yeah. You just ask yourself, why didn't? Why, why, if we can all see it, why couldn't Moy see it? That that's the formation he should have started yeah. with. Exactly. And another thing is, like, even with this formation, we have, like, Lanzini who plays in the number 10. Now, for me, Lanzini should be nowhere near the starting 11. He hasn't mm -hmm. justified his I place agree. in his team based on current performances. I, I mean, prior to the game, when, like, the team sheet was announced, fans were saying, like, why on earth is Lanzini his team? Four now should be starting. No, I, I like four now. Four, four now. He's a similar player, right? When he came at the beginning of the season, I yeah. thought he was a complete waste of space. He's bulked up, though, hasn't he? One of the things he's done is, yeah. have you noticed yeah. that? That he looks like he's been hitting the I'm gym. Noticed. And he's, uh, he's really improved. Lanzini is a shadow of his former self. But they're basically similar yeah. players, aren't they? Four Nails has got a couple of assists similar. and a goal yeah. in recent times. And Lanzini hasn't contributed to a goal. I mean, I don't think he's scored all season, which is shameful for a player who's effectively playing second striker, isn't he? I can't remember the last time I came away from the game before. You know what? Lanzini played really well. Like, no. I can't remember the last no. time that happened. I mean, as I mentioned, he should be nowhere near the start of level. And you know what, Sam? I'm going to throw a question out to you, in fact. Tell me, right, yeah. the last time Lanzini scored for West Ham. I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm pretty. Yes, right, this so at least at least one guess. One guess. <laughs> well, I I mean, listen, I can't name a game if that's what you're asking for. I would definitely say it was last season. Um, must have been towards the end of last season, right? The last time Lanzini scored for West Ham was in a 4-1 win over Watford last May. Yeah, Almost right at the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah, I know. Good he, I mean, good he, he's, he's not good enough, and. Um, there's problems all over the team. Allaire just doesn't look like he's up for it enough, in my opinion. Uh, what did Moyes yeah. say after the game? You, you got a bit of a, uh, a, an interview with him, didn't you? Or you were at the press conference? We did improve. We got better in the second half. We, uh, they, they rallied and, and obviously the introduction of Mickey Antonio gave us something different, which the first half we couldn't get the ball forward or keep it and have any attacks whatsoever. But I thought the second half we'd done much better. It was more to do with the defending in the second half. While we were 2-1, I thought we started getting a bit open and chasing the game a little bit and getting picked off easy. When I thought we should have nearly waited and bided our time and tried to take them closer to the finishing line it like that. But uh, I was more disappointed with the third goal really because the third goal changes changes the whole the whole outcome of it. So I think that when I was coming into the job, I was aware of the games in January. January gives us a really tough month, and, and obviously we've got Liverpool just about twice. It's uh, because of the, they were in Qatar. That's why we've got them in Wednesday, and then got them at Anfield. I think in about um, three, four weeks' time as well. So we have got a difficult month. But my hope is that I think the Premier League always throws up surprises and shock results. We have to be looking to to make one of those shocks happen. Yeah, we tr we've tried with. No, I think I think we're creative players are, are missing like we've missed Felipe Anderson. I think we're really crying out for Manuel Lanzini to, to come back to the form and the level he was at. And if you're been truthful, they are our creative players. They're the ones we have and we we've lost one, we've got one who's maybe not in, in his best form. 
but we have to try and, and get that creativity back into it. Other than that, then we have to find another way of scoring goals and, and, and causing teams problems. Well, I think he agrees with us about Manuel Lanzini, doesn't he? Clearly. <laughs> Throws him under the bus a bit. But listen, I, I think that uh, a couple of things. One is he says we need to find a different way of scoring goals. I agree with that. I think that Pellegrini was trying to build some sort of budget man city with a lot of playmakers <laughs> and a single and a single front man. That obviously hasn't worked. I would say looking at the game tonight and the only good things to bring out of it was that if we go direct and we play Antonio and Haller up there, then we might we just might have a chance because any other way of attacking just isn't working out for West Ham at the moment. Our next fixtures, as he mentions there, Liverpool at home, Brighton at home, Man City away, Liverpool away. Uh, one good stat that we can cling to at the moment is that we are the only team in uh, the Premier League not to have been beaten by Liverpool this season, which is, you know, something, I suppose. But that's only because we haven't played them. We look destined to lose to them twice. I, I imagine we'll get tonked by Man City away. So our only hope really is getting all three points against Brighton at home. But you can't even take that for granted, can you? I know, I know. And you know what, to, to touch your, uh, your earlier point about playing Antonio up front, if you can remember to um, last month, I think it was, against Southampton, when like, Pellegrini was like clinging to his job and he played 4-4-2 against Southampton in the 1-0 win and it worked. Like, that was one of like, the best yeah. performances of the season. So I'm always should look yeah. at that game and think, you know what, you know to like try and save the season or try and get West Ham high at the table, just try something similar. On my West Ham WhatsApp group, I have just received a message from my mate Darren, which I'm going to read out because I find it powerful and also convincing. He says this, we're getting relegated, nailed on. Too many people have been saying we won't off the back of one easy win against Bournemouth. Everyone else is picking up points. Watford, Southampton, Villa, now even Bournemouth. It's us, Brighton and Norwich. Mark my words, 30k in a 60k stadium next year. Financial meltdown. And then he's written at the end, put that on your effing podcast. Well, I have Darren, so there you go. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's almost poetic, but it's all too convincing, don't you think, Rashane? I mean, we are right in yeah. the shit now. I mean, I'm looking at my own Q&A, Sam, and it's the same thing. I mean, I have Nicholas here, who's saying, relegation, here we come. I have Connor, who's like, I don't even care anymore. I've got a question here from um, from Steve. Steve says, West Ham are everything we should be. Now, why, why can't we be more like them? He says, well, Leicester are everything yeah, we should be. everything we should be. Why can't we be more like Leicester? Well, it's interesting, you know, because I look at these two teams out there tonight, and in the final analysis, it's just that they have got better players than us. But yeah. then I think to myself, why? You think, 10 years ago, when Sullivan and Gold took over the club, we were not on the same level as Leicester. We were a level above them, right? And yeah. since then, Leicester have won the league and now are on course to qualify to the Champions League, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, their team is full of young, vibrant players, none of whom have been extremely expensive, most yeah. of whom have been unearthed, right? So while they've been out busy scouting young talent and cultivating that into even better talent, and I'm talking about, you just look at the team tonight, you know, Chilwell, Madison, Tielemans, indeed, even even Vardy, who they, yep. of course, took, took complete with town. Before yep. that, they won the league with players like 
Mares and um, and Kante. Yep. In between that, they picked up Maguire off of Hull, right? Not all of these players were unknowns, but they were players who they were taking a chance on, who they'd scouted carefully yeah. and then nurtured even more carefully and in some cases sold on for millions more. During that same period, West Ham have been flailing about signing <laughs> a weird hodgepodge of, of players, right? Yeah. None of whom seem to make sense or fit into any coherent vision, philosophy oh, or system, right? So it's either failed gambles yeah. on players that presumably are just represented by some favoured agents who are liked by the owners of the club, right? Yeah. So we're not actually scouting them. <laughs> we're not We're not being proactive. We're being brought players who happen to be available. So we think, oh, yeah, we'll take a chance on them. We had a failed experiment with the director of football, which we gave up on because it was a bad appointment after a year, yeah, less than a year and a half, I think. Right? Crack off Roberto. Yeah, because yeah, of Roberto, right? And uh, as far as I can tell, the other decisions have been made on the basis of um, the owner's son's FIFA obsession. I mean, <laughs> you know, you look at our squad and theirs. You look at our squad and theirs, and you sort of think, that is a properly built squad, right? It's been intelligently yeah. assembled. And not for the first time. This is the third Leicester team that's been built over the last 10 years. Third quality Leicester team that's been built, right? Yeah. We have got a hodgepodge of players, right, who make no sense together, and some of whom have cost insane amounts of money and have come with big reputations that they have universally failed to live up to. In yeah. fact, I'd go as far to say is we've only made one truly brilliant signing in 10 years, and that was Dimitri Payet, and even that didn't last long. Yeah. I'd also add Mikel Antonio to that as well. He's been really good for us. Well, Antonio's had his ups and downs, but I have to say yeah. at the moment, he looks like he's in the form of his life. You know what I mean? And you know what? It could get worse, Sam. We're being linked with Joe Allen. <laughs> I don't know. Well, listen, mate. I, I want you to, you're, you're in the know about this stuff. Give us some yeah. good news. You must know something about the transfer situation. What did Moyes say after the game? What do you know? You've got your ear to the ground. Are we going to buy anyone to improve this dire team? Well, we've had a, a loan offer for Russ Barkley. That's been rejected. And it seems yeah. like they're keen to tell the team to keep him there for the remainder of the season. Um, source close to Stoke told me there's been no... Uh, no bits been made for Joe Allen, thankfully. So that's, that's good news for you West Ham fans. Yeah. Uh, we've been linked to Steven and Zonzi, but yeah. in my opinion, we need to get like another, perhaps another flair player to add to this team. Because we, we saw it tonight, a lack of creativity. We're only one shot on target in the first half. Also need to address right back because Zavaleta, uh, he's at the end of his career now. His contract looks by the end of the season. Who's going to challenge Ryan Fredericks? I mean, you have Jaden Bogle, who's doing very, very good at, at uh, Derby County. Why can't we go in and get him? We've got a young lad, haven't we? Ben Johnson, who we've seen a couple yeah. of times. I think he's injured at the moment. Yeah, he's ben, highly rated, isn't he? he he's, ben Johnson's good, but my only concern with Ben Johnson is he's unable to like have a string of games without getting injured. He's been quite right, injured right. fairly recently. Right. So that's my, only, that's my only concern with Ben Johnson. Because as you mentioned, he's really yeah. good. Like, he's really good, but right. he just keeps getting injured at the minute. What we lack is, uh, and, and this is true of our front players and our fullbacks, is pace. We are not a team, yeah. I think a team in our position who should be at best really a mid-table team, the only way we can get results in the Premier League, I think, is to be dangerous on the break, which means yeah. pace and power. And I think yeah. we've only really got one player who provides that, and that's Antonio. 
Um, yeah. And I feel as if we need another player so that when we're defending backs to the wall and we do win possession, we can get it straight out. And people talk about central midfield being a problem for us. But I think actually, uh, you know, it's not the worst situation in the world to have our club yeah. captain, Mark Noble, right, yeah. who's still a very good passer of the ball ne and, yeah. and a hard worker, next to Declan Rice, who I've got to say, even in a team that's performing badly, I still think is putting in good performances most games, right? And is an extremely good, extremely talented midfielder. One of the best, I would say, central midfielders in the Premier League, despite being in a, a, a bang average. In fact, to call them bang average is probably a compliment to West Ham at the moment. A below average team, right? So I'm not so I'm not as worried as some people are about central midfield. I'm more worried about a lack of pace and, like you say, a lack of right back. And and also, imagine if Haller gets injured, right? Antonio yeah. is not a reliable um, person in terms of his injury record. A jetty has not pulled up any trees. We need to bring in another striker, don't we? I've got a name written on a piece of paper because before um, before I spoke to you and after the game, I was racking my brains trying to think of a realistic striking target who might yeah. come to West Ham, knowing that they wouldn't necessarily be first choice, but would sit patiently yeah. on the bench and maybe do a job for us when called upon, right? And I was trying to be realistic. The name that I've got written down in front of me is, yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to read it out because <laughs> I think you're going to judge me. I think the people listening are going to be so underwhelmed that they might decide to never tune into this podcast again. But I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it anyway. The name I have written on this piece of paper, Rashane, are you ready? Glenn Murray of Brighton and Hove Albion. Glenn Murray always scores against West Ham, right? He's got a consistent goal scoring record in the Premier League. Yes, he lacks pace, and I have just been saying pace is what we need, right? Yes, he is old and can't even get in the Brighton team. But there's something about a gnarled old veteran, right? A wily veteran who puts it about a bit. Bit like Kevin Nolan, different sort of position, but similar character. I kind of think get him in because there's not many other players who are going to come to West Ham and sit on the bench, right? And if not, we're going to have to take a gamble on someone we've never heard of from like the lower regions of the of, of the French First Division, right? Or someone who plays in the Paraguayan League, right? Which is what we'll probably end up with. Get someone who knows the Premier League, sit him on the bench, and when you're chasing a when you're chasing a goal with 10 minutes to go, bring on Glenn Murray and stick it in the mixer. That is my uninspiring bit of a transfer advice to West Ham tonight. What do you think of that? That's a really good shot, you know. I'm just having a look at Glenn Murray's stats. He's actually 36 now. Can you believe that? 36. No, yeah. He's yet to score this season. But, I mean, last season yeah. was really good. 13 goals in the league last season for, uh, for Brighton. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, it's not put bad. Put this way, he'll definitely better than a jetty. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. That well, that's what I sure. think. I think if you add Glenn Murray on the bench, right? I mean, look, you put him on a six-month contract. He's not going to kind of be a long-term solution. But if you add Glenn Murray on the bench and you had 10 minutes to go, who would you rather bring on, him or a jetty, right? You'd bring him on and you'd launch some balls into the area. And and because we're going to need to scrap to stay in this division now because our fixture list yeah. is horrendous. We are going to have to yeah. scrap. It's going to be, I mean, I've sat and watched West Ham be relegated in my lifetime as a fan, what, yeah. at least three times, maybe four. I think, yeah. you know, it gets really ugly and you've got to be prepared to win yeah. games by any means necessary. 
And I'll tell you right now, right, the likes of a Jetty and Lanzini are not the men to drag us out of this scrap. No. Glenn Murray might just be the man. Yeah. <laughs> what, even, what, what, what about this, Sam? What was the, what was the point in selling Javier Hernandez? Oh, what ridiculous. was the point in selling him? You know what I mean? Money, if you think, money. If you really think about it, money because he yeah. was on big. He was on huge wages, right? They got an offer, and Sullivan looked at that and thought, well, on the one hand, the seat, this transfer window is about to shut, and this will leave us with only two recognised strikers, right? But on the other hand, I could get this bloke who's on about 120 grand a week off the wage book. And he chose the latter. And I, I think that's actually dis a disgraceful decision that for a lot of fans, Phil, encaps encapsulates the way in which the club has been run over the last 10 years. Because that wasn't really a footballing decision. It was purely financial. And it threw Pellegrini yeah. under the bus a bit. And it's going to throw David Moyes under the bus as well. Because yeah. you shouldn't be a Premier League team purposefully throwing away a proven goal scorer, even if he's going to sit on the bench. Who would you write? I mean, there's there's few players that you'd prefer to have on the, the substitutes bench in a situation yeah. like this than Javier Fernandez. Javier Hernandez. So I just think that was a disgraceful decision, yeah. and it was purely financial. And you know what? Another reason why I feel like Hernandez been like fairly average he has no competition like he knows he's playing week in week out yeah. he can put yeah. in like a 4 out of 10 and he knows he's going to play the next game you know what I mean yeah exactly right mate exactly right listen it's been a pleasure we're going to wrap it up though Rashane um, uh, you've got to get out of whatever weird factory si situation you're in before you get yeah, injured you know, and yeah, I the project, the project they're wrapping up their concert yeah exactly and I've got to get myself off to bed so that's it listen gang Thanks for listening to the first ever episode of You Irons with a new West Ham podcast. Um, thanks for joining us. You can listen via iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You know that anyway because you're listening now. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You could even give us a review. You can tweet me at Delaney Man or Roshane at Roshane Sport. We'll be back on Saturday night straight after the West Ham West Brom game in the Cup, which is the return of Slavon Bilic, Julian Dix and Grady Diangana. It's going to be an exciting game, I hope. Keep the faith, ladies and gents. And always remember, there's only one Samasia Boo.